Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles International, the first of two hours of Ghost Chronicles Radio for anyone crazy enough to listen to it. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsing. And with me, all across, all across, all across. Where you were doing is. so well until that up moment. to that point. Yes, I know, because then I started thinking ahead of time, and I can't stand that. Anyways, somewhere in I was going to say Scotland. Scotland. How about Wales? Uh, Wales will do. Uh, is the platinum standard in ghost hunting, Steve Parsons? Uh, good evening. Yes. Yes, from Scotland, Wales. Ireland. Somewhere right. over there. It's all the same, right? Over Britain, the UK. Uh, hey, why, why is your country so hell-bent on scrapping with Russia? Yeah, you know, his, his ratings are terrible. They're going to do something. Well, you know, <laughs> I'll, say, I'll, I'll say one thing for Trump. We had peace. <laughs> a piece of this and a piece of that. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be... Uh, yeah, we're going to be caught right in the middle between you two, you lot. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. Who knows? What we need is one of those psychic assassins to take care of Putin. Putin's a good guy. Oh, he is. Oh, we don't have to worry about Biden. He's going to kick the bucket sooner or later anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. moving right along. Moving First on. of all, we want to. We want to thank all our uh, Patreon uh, listeners yeah, and supporters who help bring us this show. Hey, and how's the uh, GoFundMe doing for the... Um... There is no GoFundMe, I keep telling you that. I thought you were having a Twilight home for the criminally bewildered. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Anyways, moving... I have dog. a bone to pick with you. Go on, then. Last week on this very show... Yes. You, Mr. Parsons, recommended yes. a haunting at Bowley Rectory. I immediately watched it right after the show, and yeah. I was never so disappointed in my life. I told you first, it was wooden acting. Oh, my God. First of all, if they, the, the repeat scene where they have the flashback, if they cut that out of the movie, it would go from like an hour and a half to hang one on, hour. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Are, whoa, we, whoa, watching whoa. The, are we watching the same movie? Yes. Okay. The one with... Harry, um, Harry Price. Well, obviously, Harry Price is going to be in all of them. Okay, so which one are you seeing? Uh, is this the one where he's a sceptical investigator? I don't know if you would call him. He was there. That's all I can tell you. I, Did I, he? I, I don't... It doesn't sound like you watched the same movie. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Did it have so, a nun with black eyes in it? Red eyes in it. No black eyes. Was there an American there? No. What the hell? 
you watched wait, a different there film. Was, was it a, wait a minute, there was an American listening station set up and... No, you... Oh, God, I know which one you've watched. It's awful. It was awful. I was sitting yeah. here. No, you not that one. You me. That's an hour no, and a half. No, my... no, I told you to watch the one with Colin Baker in it, the Doctor Who guy. That's right. I even forgot you mentioned his name. I was... You know, I was so excited that I found it. Okay, so what, yeah, let's start with the wrong one. What What is this movie again? <laughs> Since it has the same name, evidently. What What is the name of this movie? Um, yeah, Bowley Rectory something or other. Oh, the great. Haunting of Bowley Rectory. That's what this was, The Haunting of Bowley Rectory. Yeah, well, there are several. Look for the one that's got Colin Baker in it. How am I going to find it? What, what did you watch it on? What, what format? I mean, what uh, streaming or whatever? Uh, Amazon. Oh, okay. So there you go. All right. I was Why, on Netflix. What did you watch it on? Netflix. It's on there as well. And not the one I watched. But that well, was. On are, I, I did warn you there are about three or four of them. Oh, God. That was so bad. Even Janet was like, oh, Steve liked this. And it's like, no, it was a different one. <laughs> Oh, Not the one God. with the listening station. And it was, as you oh. said, the acting in it was terrible. But well, the acting was, in this was terrible. <laughs> well, in that case, they've got something in common. But what was intriguing is it's the first time I'd ever seen Price played accurately um, or portrayed as a sceptical scientific researcher. Oh, I didn't know how he was portrayed as that. He was in this one. He actually worked with the medium in this one, which was kind of odd. Yeah. Well, he worked with the medium in, in real life, so there's nothing unusual about that. No. I, well, did he work with a medium in the one you saw? Yes. But he wasn't He wasn't overly um, impressed. Uh, okay. I, I have no clue. i got to find this other one now. You watched the I, movie. Evidently. Yeah. No, thanks yeah. a lot. You owe me an no, hour I and a half. <laughs> yes, it is. I said, I said specifically, there are several of them. Watch the one that's got D- Colin Baker in it, the guy oh, from Doctor. who played Doctor Who. Mm. All right, mm. I will. He plays try to Charles dig this Sutton. I will try to dig this up. And, yeah, have uh, a go. Yeah, and then apologize yeah, to Jan. On you, you apologize to Jan for you. I will it not. Up. I will not. This is you your screwed up, not me. Not I'm me. Not I'm not taking. Tell me about this script. movie. I wouldn't even wasted my time watching it. If I, I told you about a different it. movie with the same title, you screwed no, I, up. I, fine, whatever. Anyway, there we go. I haven't been near the. Well, I say, I I was going to say I haven't really been near the computer this week, um, but that's not true because I've spent my entire week. At the computer, not doing anything apart from installing a whole new computer. Oh no! Oh yeah, you know what What'd that's you do? like. Are you bought, oh, it's right. You bought a new uh, some. Yeah, I had to get the new. Uh, I had to get a new computer, but you know what it's like. Yeah, you've got to start. I don't know. I have stuff. people do mine. I know. <laughs> As you well know. <laughs> As I well know. So, I, so I, I'm kind of out of the loop this week with the paranormal stuff, except that okay. um, our mutual friend, Dr. Dr. Cal Cooper, has been uh, scouting out uh, the location for the upcoming yes. uh, investigation. You saw that, though. Packages. I thought you said you weren't on the computer. 
I said I wasn't on it much. Yeah, it mentioned it. Uh, yes, your name got it mentioned, so you your ears perked well, it right did, up because I'm 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 supposed to be organising it. Oh, supposed yeah. to be. I noticed that. Yeah. Well, I am organising it. <laughs> so what what is this thing uh, that we're, we're well, talking about? As, so, as you know, oh, with, um, oh. in 2018, um, the SPR commissioned me to write the guidance notes for investigators, and then in 2020. Uh, that was followed by the equipment guidance notes. So for people who were predominantly interested in the technical aspects of investigating. And then we were part, we proposed that we should reach out. I've got to interrupt you before I forget. I'm sorry. I have to interrupt you. We'll go right back to it. I promise, Steve. I promise. But last night at Dining with the Dead, uh, the Yankee Swap, there was a, a specific gift and it was uh, drinks with an author, and it was a uh, a bag, and inside the bag was uh, the guidance notes and gin and a lime and, <laughs> and drink glasses and everything. So it was specifically aimed at you. So I did want to get that in before I did forget. Oh, which thank I you. I, okay. I, was it the blue one or the red one? Uh, the the red one. The red the new the equipment notes. Yeah, evidently. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, anyway, continuing. Um, yeah. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. That's all right. Um, mm. So the SPR, that, they were part of a project, um, which is outreach um, that the SPR are trying to do because they've been around a while and they are a fantastic resource for those who are interested in investigating the paranormal. And um, But people don't, kind of know they're there or you know they're not on television a lot and uh they don't care they don't care um but you know you've got this enormous resource so in addition to the guidance notes which are part of the outreach the second Mm -hmm. part of it was well hey why don't the spr um run their own investigation training weekends So that so that uh, people can get some of the theoretical side in interactive classroom uh, environment and then put that theory into practice on a real ghost investigation mentored by SPR investigators. Sounds good to me. So that's what that's what we're uh, we're working on. So that's what Cal was doing. He was scouting out one of the locations that we're using. There's another location in the centre of London. So, uh, yeah, that's scheduled for this year. Both of them. Most excellent. So I see you'll be there. I will. I will. I have signed up already. What could I teach you? You could teach me everything because you're my my mentor. I, uh, I, I don't breathe without consulting one of your books that you've written. And that's the way it should be. Because those books, I mean, yes, I wrote the books, but, you know, I didn't I just the books. I didn't conjure up the content out of my own head. Mm-hmm. The the content of those books is drawn from 150 years of the SPR's resources. You know, the the practice, the the generations of investigators that have gone before. And that's part of the problem, isn't it? You know, we think that 
you know, each generation of investigators think that we're clever, that we've invented something, that we've got a new experiment, a new technique. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, talking you know, about that too. And, and we saw, you know, we saw Zach do something or we saw Jason do something. Incidentally, I'm still blocked by him. Um, and I still don't know why. But, um, you know, it's like, let's go, it's like the orb, isn't it? You know, 12, 15 years ago, there was this phenomena called the orb. Actually, longer longer now, 20 years ago, there was a you phenomena. Bring it topics I have to talk to you about, so, okay. I know. I don't but, know if you want you know, to jump in on them or not. Ago, there was a phenomena <laughs> uh, doing the rounds called the orb. And right. um, we found, you know, we noticed it. Uh, on our investigations, other investigators noticed it, and it seemed to be associated with using digital cameras. And it seemed to be increasingly common. We questioned it, others questioned it, and it's been subsequently demonstrated to be a non-paranormal explainable phenomena that's well understood, so well understood, in fact, that the camera manufacturers of digital cameras include a page that specifically uh, or many of them include a page in the instruction book that specifically cautions against the appearance of this particular phenomena. Now, a lot of people have gone along with that. They understand it. But there is still a hard, there was always a, a, a small core of people who uh, wanted to believe that this particular phenomena represented something paranormal. And so you ended up in this kind of a stalemate situation where people had said well you know the majority of them are dust and insects and water but there are but, some that we can't explain um, 99.9 then then so that was that was the situation 15 years ago then along comes a new generation of television programs and they have to show something that's uh, unusual and strange and inexplicable and they started showing these orb phenomena mm -hmm. and this new generation because there have been a you know a resurgence in those numbers of people wanting to do investigations after most haunted and ghost hunters and they kind of faded away some of them some of them formed teams some of them just drifted off to ufos or other things um, and then along coming uh, the the zach bagans fan club and uh, those from uh, you know the other shows that, that followed along and they discovered this phenomena called the orb <laughs> mm. you see where i'm going with this uh, yes. In, in, instead of looking back through the the work that had been done before, and then moving forward, saying, "Yeah, we know about that. We we don't need to worry about that." They've chased their tails for a long time, trying to prove the paranormality of the orb. And psychical research is littered with this. You know, there was stuff done in the nineteen early nineteen hundreds and in the middle part of the twentieth century that has largely been forgotten by by the present generations of investigators. And and so, you know, incorporating this good practice, Harry Price, for example, and Elliot O'Donnell and Eric Dingwall, early ghost hunters in the middle part of the 20th century, you know, the first half of the 20th century, I should I should more accurately say, you know, they had ghost kits too they used infrared cameras they you know they they established good practices that 
were reinvented and were rediscovered. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's one of the problems that, that we encounter. So the guidance notes drew upon that rich legacy of prior knowledge, forgotten knowledge, mystical forgotten secrets. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I, as I mentioned, there was something about OABS I did want to bring up. And, yes. And I, I do want to get back to some more on this as they were talking. But I have, of course, uh, a, uh, a, a case that I have to look at. And this is the ring doorbell. And this is oh, yeah. a ser series of uh, events that occur with a mad blast of orbs. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like 99.99999999% sure it is nothing, but probably 100%. But anyway, the, <laughs> the thing is, I don't want to go to this man and say, oh, I can tell you that that is nothing. Uh, I want to be able to explain to him what he is seeing and witnessing. Right. So I am going to I am going to investigate this. What I want to investigate is uh, the conditions that uh, will make these orbs appear, and I, that's the way I want to do it. I want to I want to know the reason why they are there. Mm -hmm. uh, scientifically uh not scientifically but evidentially uh so that i can tell well, him i'm not just going to say well i'm an expert i can tell you well, all dust and water you, you could free. you could start off by i mean i'm not overly familiar with the ring doorbell um as a um i i know what it is i know i know what it is but i'm not actually yeah. familiar with the technical that's like, what's captured on yeah I, I i i believe it has um illumination leds both visible light and infrared ones on it so yeah, that it can it light, does, uh, as you can see at night yeah yeah and therefore the the hypothesis that um putting the light in very close proximity to the lens axis cr uh, causes these um airborne particles to appear holds true and holds holds yeah up. this the the only the only problem is is the way it's not like it's just like an orb floats through or a bunch of orbs. I mean, there's a, a great deal of activity, and it, off my cuff, I would say insect activity, uh, but that's just off the cuff. But I want to go to him and I want to say, okay, see, this is what, this is why it is occurring. I just don't want to be there. Well, you saying, can start oh, off. I know everything. You know, well, I want to see if there. For, you know, where is the camera? First of all, you know, wh what is there? There could be, for instance. There could be a dry event underneath the camera somewhere, and when the dryer is running, dust particles come up, and, and of course, with the, the vapor, it it moves all over the place in front of the camera. So that's a very, you know, a possibility. That it, it does a lot of things, but I want to be able to explain to him why he's seeing these things. I just don't want to tell him that that's not paranormal. No, no. But what you is can that do... wrong, Steve? Am I being wrong for that? No, because you can't just what you, where you would have been wrong is when you said at the start, well, you know, I'm ninety nine point nine 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 nine. No, probably a hundred percent. Because to be, you can't be that certain until you've tested a hypothesis. Yeah. Now the hypothesis that we have at the moment does demonstrate that the cameras, normal digital cameras, are 
um you know when where the light is close to the lens blah 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 mm-hmm. Uh, now it's very likely that that's what's taking place, but, but as a good investigator, you want to be able to demonstrate how that is taking place. Exactly, my friend. Now, what I would suggest as a starting point to get him on side, because you're dealing with somebody who may want to believe that these things are paranormal, um, and is to give him printouts and give him a copy of the orb research paper that's on the parascience website and allow him I to have read. So, i have several there there are other no offense but there are other good papers out there on the orbs and and good presentations on the orbs as well, besides the, the one that's on the parasite well i suggest just the parascience one because that's that's the actual one of the experiments that's the only one okay. of the experiments okay um let him have a read of that. Then you are laying the groundwork for your demonstration of how he, in his particular circumstance he's having these objects manifesting on his camera. Mm-hmm. Because you can measure the distance between the lens and the light. You can you can show him how they you know that would occur you can measure the focal length of the lens to, to demonstrate that they are in fact closer to the camera than, than he imagines because the orb zone theory, uh, which um, the experiment tests is that these things are very close to the camera. They're not at the end of the driveway or the other end of the yard or behind a tree or a bush. Right. They are just several, you know, within six inches or so of the camera. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you know, but I want to see, like I said, if it is orbs, if it is uh, dust particles or or insects or anything, I want to be able to to prove to him what it is. Yeah, I know. That's that's what I want to prove to him, how those occur and everything. For instance. Alternatively, you could simply replicate it. Yes, I could do that. that. That's one of the things I was going to look at. But uh, yeah, so I got to find out a lot more information. But uh, just I, I just powder in front, just blow some chalk powder in front of the ring doorbell. Or I can actually do what I believe is causing it. But anyway, uh, the ring doorbell has been capturing a lot of stuff. And, oh yeah, uh, and the fairies have. <laughs> I, I the ring saw that one. I know that, that one. one that there's many of them actually. I, I know. you know, that's what I was going to call up. This what looks like when you catch it in infrared. <laughs> <laughs> Complete with anti. I'm, I'm look. I'm looking at quite a few of them now. I mean, I, I just uh, I was I was going to find that one because one was in from the UK. But uh, yeah, this there's this California and everything else, yeah. and some of them appear to be. Like, uh, Exactly. Very much humanoid. Mm-hmm. And are we talking pareidolia here? Or, or, or is it... Well, you, if you think of, I mean, first of all, the uh, actual exposure is a slow, it's relatively slow because it's a night shot uh, video. Uh, I think the I think the ring doorbell off the top of my head is working on something like eight or 15 frames a second. It's way slower than a conventional camera. So right. any object movement will blur slightly. Um, that said, if you look at your average bug, it has a body, 
it has legs, it has a head. So it has a thorax abdomen. It has wings. It has wings. <laughs> it looks like Tinkerbell. Because Tinkerbell has butterfly wings. And she has two antennae, like a bug. And so when you see a bug in infrared, it looks a bit like a Disney fairy. Oh, my God. I'm looking at those now. I know. They are. You they sure are... they had straight? <laughs> there may be one or two. But the interesting thing about the ring doorbell is to activate it, right, in order to start mm-hmm. the camera running, you've got to press the button. Or some of them have got an infrared trigger. Oh, they have, yeah, so, they have infrared triggers. A lot of them have infrared triggers. Yeah. So you don't there, are have ver- to... there are versions also that don't start recording until you press the button. Yes. Exactly. Um, which those means are, those are the for, early models, I believe. Yeah. Um, and I've encountered some videos um, on those where people claim to have gotten stuff. And you have to ask, well, how did the ghost press the button? Yeah, that's true. So it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like in, in ghostology, I wrote about Tesla cars and um, uh, Xbox connects and it's 525,000 likes on this thing by the way well you know it's like with i in ghostology i wrote about tesla cars and their um, person sensing stickman system which is developed from the connect Um, and whenever new technology hits the market particularly new technology with cameras we get a spate of i don't recognize that it must be paranormal photographs appearing because we're not used to seeing bugs up close in infrared. It's something new. We can't immediately explain it. And if somebody says that might be paranormal or puts a suggestion on it and then somebody sees it on Facebook or social media, then it spreads. And then we mm-hmm. end up with a new phenomena that we have to uh, go chasing and explaining and understanding. We, we were talking Human about nature. this at the... At the dining with the dead, I mean, there's so many uh, different conditions that can cause. I mean, uh, Doug and, and Dave, uh, who, you know, are pretty seasoned in, in the paranormal, uh, you know, investigating and, and uh, have witnessed a lot of different things. And, and one time at the Fort, uh, Fort Constitution, they saw this green thing just slowly float across the sky. And they, they couldn't figure out what it was. It was this green flashing thing. And uh, finally, uh, Dave had one of those uh, cameras. I forget what the heck, but you can look at him. Oh, we're running out of time. But anyways, he looked at it, and basically what it was was a seagull that was just floating in the, in the you know, gliding in the wind, and the green flashing light from the lighthouse was flashing off the white bird. And we have to take a break. Anyways, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International right here on Toji.net and Pyrex Radio with Steve Parsons and Ron Kolick. And we are brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrick Street, Methuen, Massachusetts, the Glant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street, North Andover, Massachusetts, and our very good friends of Ghost Chronicles Radio and Patreon, mem- Patreon members of the Dead Air Society. We'll be right back after the following messages.
Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange. Deranged. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous. As we give awards to the Parrax family. Join us live in the second quarter of the first half of the <laughs> two hours special that is Ghost Chronicles International. This is the uh, international edition, followed immediately by the next generation. A bit like Star Trek. Yeah. We were talking about, uh, speaking about Star Trek, I was re- reading about uh, Scotty and St- Star Trek. Uh, Do you yeah, know he, dur- during D, yeah, during D Day, he killed uh, three snipers? He was do also you know wounded that, six, six times. Do you know that, the, uh, where is it, in Scotland, uh, he gets bought, there's a blue plaque marking uh, his upcoming birth in a few years' time. What? He was born in Scotland, or yeah. in, in our future. And the town where he was born in our future has a blue plaque recording the fact that in this town will be born... <laughs> Scotty. That is so cool. And tourists go there and have their photograph taken at Scotty's of birthplace. Of course, why not? It's, it's, a, it's a snitch thing. I mean, you, you know, you own a piece of house, so I mean, yeah. That's true. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's it's cool. I mean, it, it, there's certain things that are just cool. I mean, oh, you know, they, they have no intrinsical value, but they're, yeah. they're cool. <laughs> you, you just reminded me. Um, I saw yes. a news article. It snowed in hell. No way. Hell, 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 Michigan, it snowed again. Oh, my gosh. So, there you go. Wow. Just, just putting it out there. It did That's snow in hell. Well, I never thought that would happen, but I guess it did. Speaking about snow, we're in for about a uh, foot or two here uh, this coming weekend. So. Well, there you go. You get your snow. Hey, you can get your snowblower out again. Uh, it, wait a minute. Wait, this is according to the weather people who are probably oh, 50% right, 50% wrong. How many years wrong. you use your snowblower? I used it uh, last year once. <laughs> wow, that's value for money. Yeah. Hey, the first year I got it well worth it. We had two feet of snow one storm. So you know what I you should definitely... do? Duct tape it to the front of Jen's... Um, yeah, wait a minute, it's duct tape now. <laughs> duct, ta- duct tape it to the front of Jan's newly fixed Scooby. Oh, yeah, it's going to work really good. 
I never, I never told you about talk about the duct tape, but uh, yeah, uh, I, I used to, because where we are and duct tape for everything. American likes to take stuff that don't belong to them. I have to chain my uh, my uh, snowblower to the the fence and uh, in the winter time. No, with duct so tape. no, so no, with the heavy chain and the lock. So, anyways, uh, one storm I think it was a couple of years ago, probably three years or maybe longer. Uh, I uh, was was doing it and I unlocked it and you did my thing and then I was cleaning the walkway. And I forgot I threw the chain down there. The, the chain went right through the thing, blew right through the chute. I mean, it didn't go out the chute. It went through <laughs> the chute. <laughs> Oops. Rich now has a lot of duct, duct tape on it. So there you go. There's you know, duct tape. it's amazing what duct tape fixes. It does everything. I don't know how we, do, I don't know how we got onto this, but I have a pair of uh, Levi's. I yes, have... Uh, in fact, I made a box out of duct tape a few months ago. Uh, I needed to carry a carry case for um, my headphones for uh-huh. taking to and from the radio station. And they're expensive. They're about £20 for a carry case for, for headphones. Yeah. But, of course, they arrived in a box that was fitted. You know, it had plastic insert perfect. in it. Yeah. And it carried them perfectly. So yeah. I turned the box uh reinforced it with about 30 layers of duct tape mm-hmm. and it's fantastic there you go there you go you can yeah. do any there there are there's a whole series of websites i don't know how we got onto this but there's a whole series of websites you know things you can make uh, out of duct tape wallets and carry bags and of course if, shoes. if you know if you like duct tape of course you can always watch the red green show which you know, uh, every, everything is duct tape. Well, I've got there. about eight or nine rolls of different colored duct tape upstairs. Yeah. So. I just bought Gorilla Tape, which is strong. Oh, that's it. That's, do you know what's even better than Gorilla Tape? It's very, very no. good. There's a new clear one now in Gorilla Tape. But yeah, um, there's one called uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex Tape. Oh, really? Is that to go oh, with the, uh, man, the uh, creation sticks. at Christmas time? No, man, that thing sticks to anything. And it, it, it sticks. Yeah. It's excellent. It's, and weirdly, though, when, when you want to get rid of it, when you want to take it off, it comes away again. Really? Yeah. Strange. I don't know what. I don't know what the adhesive is, but this must be uh, some type of magic, huh? You know, paranormal. I think, I think it's. I think it's witchcraft, but it could be. Yeah, maybe that's produced by witches. It's 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 really good tape, and it's on sale because it's an American product, not duct tape. This Tyrannosaur tape, mm-hmm. um, but so Gorilla tape. But yeah, Gorilla tape's really good for general stuff. It's way yeah. better than the standard duck. So yeah, if you like all those stuff, creative stuff, then I definitely recommend the Red Green Show. You, it's on YouTube. You can watch it. It's a Canadian production. And uh, it's the uh, be- uh, Beaver Lodge, uh, or the, the Possum Lodge, and uh, yeah, they make anything and everything. They they when you have a problem, when they have a problem, they solve it. Uh, they they use anything and everything to make these crazy inventions. But uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, there's a famous line there. You know, remember if the women don't find you handsome, they better find you handy. And it's you know they duct tape everything. So anyway. Yeah, so duct tape we've moved on from, I guess, unless we are going to use that for uh, capturing ghosts or something. 
Tim Ghost gets stuck to uh, duct tape. It's 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 used by forensic research, uh, forensic scientists. That's true too. Yeah. Mm. For yeah yeah yeah. So so fingerprinting. When did that first come out? Ooh. Eighteen um, hundreds earlier. It was known about. Uh, I think it followed just after the Jack the Ripper, so the late eighteen nineties. Eighteen, yeah, I thought it was after Jack, yeah. Um, because they couldn't fingerprint the uh, suspects in the Jack the Ripper case, but they they were able to, or I think one of the um, it it was around then in the eighteen nineties. But um, don't don't quote me on the some one of the listeners will eighteen hundreds, all right, yeah. Yeah, about 1897, 1898, I think. But then it wasn't used by the police uh, for fingerprinting, I think, was early 1900s as a means to identify people. So the question I was going, leading, actually leading to a paranormal question was, has anyone ever tried to fingerprint a ghost? Yes. Um, Has it worked at all? uh, Yes, it caught out. uh, Was it price? I think it was Price, Harry Price, that, that used the technique and fa- discovered that the fingerprints on the object uh, supposedly paranormally created by um, the spirit holding an object, or imp- sorry, the spirit imprinted its thumb marks into um, plasticine or clay, mm-hmm. and the uh, the prints were identified as being. Uh, I believe it was the woman, the person's dentist. Um, moreover, if you remember Jeff the mongoose on the Isle of Man, yes, um, they used a similar technique. It wasn't Jeff's fingerprints, but they they took it, they persuaded the mongoose in that case to imprint his paw into um, plasticine clay, and they took a, a cast of that. And they took it to the Natural History Museum and they identified it as being a dog. Huh. So what does that mean? Uh, It wasn't a mongoose. So Jeff the dog then? Jeff the dog. But it was, but the family had a dog. Okay, but how does that affect the case? Just because it is one incident? Well, it was it was it was cited as you know prima facie evidence of the mongoose because it stuck its paw in the okay, so clay and it actually wasn't. It doesn't um, discount the the mongoose though. It only no, discounts well, that, it, that it, it, clay it impression. It discounts that 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 clay impression. But okay. the use of fingerprint evidence has debunked um, one or two mediums, but I don't think I don't, it's ever debunked the ghost. Yeah. I mean, I may be wrong. In fact, I, I, I mean, I kind of got this niggling idea that there was, you know, fingerprint kits were used by investigators in the early 20th century. Yeah, uh, I mean, Eric, didn't, didn't Harry Price Dingwall, put powder in his kit? Uh, not for that reason, but Eric Dingwall did, um, who was a contemporary of Harry Price. Yeah. Now, in Price's ghost kit, he used powdered chalk for imprinting for, you know he would sprinkle it across the floor and then yeah. the, so the ghost would leave could possibly yeah, the ghost would leave footprints now eric dingwall does did in his ghost kit have fingerprinting powder which was graphite powder and a, mm-hmm. an applicator brush um so he he was obviously thinking that i the intention wasn't to get the fingerprints of the ghost the intention was to demonstrate that 
whoever was had, it. Yeah. if an object had been touched or moved, then they could demonstrate who'd done it. Well, yes, they that knowledge, they only could demonstrate that that person touched it. They couldn't demonstrate that. Well, they did it. if it had been cleaned beforehand, and then it yeah, if it had been cleaned, okay, that's blah, blah, yeah. Blah. You didn't mention yeah. that part, but well, I mean, I did for instance, if really there was a, an object in in the house and and they were no, an investigation they, they, they and it moved, it, that's no, they it couldn't might. just go around fingerprinting an entire house because you would end up with a lot of fingerprints. It's true, very true. <laughs> um, but I think specifically how it, how it was used, I think, was that they would clean an object and then if the object moved, they would then uh, fingerprint. fingerprint it to find well, out yeah. if anybody had. So, for instance, if if we if we looked at some of the classic experiments where they they take an object and uh, I believe did, I don't maybe maybe parascience even did this I'm, I'm, I, for some reason in the back of my mind I could be wrong a cross or something in the in the they outlined the cross on a piece of paper and and uh did parascience do that or, or was it a something else uh, it, it, it was it, we did we used it we used it um others used it too um yeah it was made it was made most popular uh on most haunted when mm. jason carl um drew around a crucifix oh maybe that's where i'm seeing it from yeah. and thereafter every paranormal group uh that i'm aware of took mm-hmm. a crucifix on an investigation as a trigger oh, sure. object because yeah. it had the religious connotations of course you know being um and of course like 99 percent of the ghosts if they're not kings or queens and then they're uh monks you know well in, in uh, yeah. the uk right <laughs> it's it's an interesting question this this uh, trigger object uh yeah. and one that you know, is actually incorporated. It's one of the interactive sections of Ghostology uh, and the SPR outreach course. Oh, it is. Um, I'll give you a little extract. Okay. You've you've got to think of uh, a trigger object. Now, trigger mm-hmm. objects have been used since the early part of the 20th century. Price carried one, and others. Uh, they used they called them provocative objects, and the idea mm-hmm. was that. The spirit would be attracted to it and would would interact with it, pick it up, move it, shove it around, whatever. Got would it. interact with the some object. Naked woman now, prerogative. prerogative. Well, She's clear that mind of mine. Go ahead. <laughs> well, well, if you were called upon to visit a location, yeah, um, and you had to take one object with you as a provocative trigger object. Just mm-hmm. one one item. What yeah. one item would you choose? Now, here are some examples. In um, wouldn't you have to know the history of the place of of the supposedly hauntings? Well, I was going to say it, it. Here are some examples. Okay. In a in a location that was haunted by a supposed seventeenth century child. Oh, I get spirit, it. Oh, okay. Yeah. The paranormal investigators decided to leave a toy. They they chose Buzz Lightyear toy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I laugh out loud? <laughs> I'm sorry. Other Go investigators ahead. called upon uh, to investigate a location where the spirit was supposedly a religious figure chose to use a crucifix now in each of those 
you can see the obvious problem with the Buzz Lightyear. Mm-hmm. What I what I didn't mention was the religious figure that they saw was supposed to be the spirit of a rabbi. <laughs> okay. Now, in both. Well, of that them, might insult them, so that might help. Well, you as the investigator, mm-hmm. you know, um, here, the question is, you have got to choose one object that would be universally applicable in any location. Oh, what, wow. What one object would you take as Ooh. a potential provocative object? Hey, you know what? Why don't we leave that and, and let people think about it, and then next week we'll give the answer. Okay, because there is what do you one. Think? Well, you can do that if you wish. Um, you rather not? No, I'm quite happy to. Oh, but, well, we, yeah. But no. as an investigator, you yeah. can take one item. One. We'll give item. it at the end of the show, so we just we All don't. Right. People can you can take one item with you. Yeah. That would be universally applicable in any location in any situation okay as your provocative have, trigger object what would you I choose have, one just came to mind but uh, that's just my thought well i don't know i have to i mean i really have to think more about it well, but if i was if i was going to pick one you I and would, i have had this conversation before so you may be reaching back into your memory banks for this one all right then i won't say it then wait till the end of the show Oh, wait till the end of the show. Give me your guess when we hear the doorbell from the dead, pizza from the okay. dead. All right. So once again, repeat the question and, and we'll give the, the answer. The question is, you as a paranormal investigator can freely choose one single item to include as a provocative trigger object that is universally applicable in every location. What would you choose? Okay, and we'll give the answer at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Is there a scientific proof in this, or is it just a, no, no, from no. the mind? This is, this is what this is what parascience is. Okay, all right, all right. Now, I, I, and I'll explain that, why at the end of the show. That you know that brings up an interesting point when you were talking about the the place where it's haunted by a, a young child from what the 17th or 18th centuries, and they bring mm-hmm. Buzz Lightyear. Yep. Is now I remember when we <laughs> first started. Be more frightened of the Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what the hell is that? Yeah, uh, I remember when we first started paranormal investigating, and uh, we would go out, and and uh, not just me, but it was it was more acceptable at the time. Is that when you talk to, for instance, talk to spirits to to uh, to EVPs, you mm-hmm. would say, you know, can you talk into the green blinking light or, or something like that you know what i mean they still it, do it they still do it do they i i now now it's just assumed that the spirits can figure it out they don't have to no, tell them anything. no 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 they still you know um can you can you speak and talk towards the the red flashing light in the box on the table so they do do it they do it I haven't seen that for a long time, Steve. There's a lot of weird, there's a lot of weird shit that people, you know, we say, Joy, like, yeah, there's these sort of standard lines in it. If you can hear my voice, blah, blah, blah. uh, We mean you no harm. Yeah. They're dead. They're dead. Well, I don't want to get sucked into a vacuum cleaner, you know? No, but then the (laughs) other one, use our energy. Hey, we use that. (laughs) Use our energy. 
But now that's that about got, seance. That's seance talk, by the way. Yeah, but that's, use that, that's our energy. Talk. How? How? How is that even, you know, how can we use, can, can you use my energy? Can I use your energy? I, mean, I have no you know, clue. Do I have a USB socket sticking on the back of my head somewhere? Yes, but wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There are very, very much, there's a lot of talk about that. And that, of course, is psychic vampires. And there are people, and I'm sure you know them, that whenever you're around them, they actually drain the freaking energy out of you. Uh, now, is there any scientific evidence or anything? Of course not. But there are conditions that 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 seems to occur. Uh, so it's not so far fetched. I, yeah, my but, I mean, you know, we, you know, but we use these lines, don't we? If I know, can, I know, I know what you're saying. The standard lines. I mean, another 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 cra- another one. If, let's go back to EVP for a minute. Okay. We start off on the premise that we are using technology to hear the spirit's voice the spirit will speak to us through the box or through the recorder on the table that's really not what it's supposed to be but that's all right fine however the spirit is expected to hear us with no Mm -hmm. aids whatsoever we we shout out if you can hear my voice give tell me speak to the red light on the table and tell me your name Back in the beginning, when EVP's done, it wasn't. <laughs> it, it isn't that this, the the spirit is uh, speaking in the into the recorder. It's it's the manipulation of the white noise on the recorder to their voices. And the in the theory being that they have no voice box, therefore they have to use that white noise to make. Well, their they must. Have, well, that was the. So they don't have ahead. a voice box, but they do have ears. They have, an they, have an eardrum, they have an eardrum and they, they, they're able to hear. And, a, and we, of course, that discounts all audible sounds that you might hear, like voices that you hear uh, with your own ears, without EVPs. I'm not talking EVPs. I'm just clear audience stuff. Well, that's, uh, that's a clear audience. That's, if you can hear it and a recorder can record it, that's sound. Yeah, okay, sound. We it already has a definition. But I, I'm we trying to get the, the difference between – the difference between – yeah, okay, I agree. I, I was over – over-dramatizing but, but, it. I apologize. But, well, no, but this is this I is just part of the problem with paranormal investigation. There is, an, and also the problem with parapsychology, because they constantly have to reinvent terminologies and definitions that already exist. It's true. This is very true. You know, we instead of sound, you know, thank God for quantum physics. They can explain everything with quantum physics. Well, according to paranormal investigators, there is either EVP, which is electronic voice phenomena, or Correct. if they can hear it too. Which wasn't the original name of it, by the way. No, it wasn't. But if they can hear it too, they call it AVP, actual voice phenomena. Oh, we don't have that. We have another term for it here. But it's yeah. it's sound. Right. <laughs> it, has sound. A, it, it has a definition. You heard a voice is what you heard. But but paranormal investigators a, like to like to wrap it up in this layer of mystique. It's true. And they they well, you know what that does, Steve, is that it it uh, it uh, legitimizes EVP. If you have AVP, you can have EVP. So yes, you can have sound. So therefore, they're you not can legitimizing. Have... Then all the de- that's what they're, they're using the terms to legitimize. Yeah, it. What, what, yeah but they're also. They're also using the term 
to portray an expertise to say we True. know Fair we enough. know Fair stuff because we're experts. There you go. So so we know what an EVP and that's not an EVP, that's an AVP. No, that's sound. That's true. You know, and it's not it's just a nice confined, simple way of putting it, to be honest with you. It's not just confined to paranormal investigators or parapsychologists in the medical profession, in every trading profession, we have these ways of talking. For example, um, when I was in nursing, we didn't talk about someone having a heart attack. They had an MI, a myocardial infarction. Mm. Easy for you to say. When, when people had a uh, small stroke, they had a TIA or a transient ischemic attack. It's a way that um, expert, experts try to separate themselves from the herd by using their own language and invented language. Parapsychologists do it all the time. Psychologists do it. They talk about, oh, it was a mental construct. What they actually saying is he made shit up. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the reality of it. You know, and investigators are human and they're doing it too. They're they're saying that oh we know we can use this exclusive language and then we can explain to you lay people our expertise. We can demonstrate our expertise by using these terms, which we've invented, by the way to describe right. stuff that's already got a perfectly good definition. I remember one paranormal investigator who actually tried to redefine infrasound. Huh? And he came up with a very long-winded, uh, you know, new way of describing infrasound. And then we had an argument because I said there's already a definition for sound below 20 hertz. It's called infrasound. Mm -hmm. All no, 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 but that doesn't count. That's then, then the same. Then the same um, half-witted parapsychologist with a PhD tried to redefine electromagnetic fields that cause, um, you know, these brain interactions, mm -hmm. and he called them EIFs, which was experience-inducing fields. Ooh, you see the problem. <laughs> Well, it you makes do it look smarter. It makes people look smarter. Yeah, I like that. And that's the problem. That's why that's why people don't communicate with the SPR because the SPR was one of the organisations that started to use this type of language and disassociated itself from the ghost hunting community, and are trying to address that now and uh, by better use of plain language. Yeah, I'll have to give you credit for it because, Ooh, oh, there's right. the What's your guess? I, I, you know, I was thinking, the first thing that came to mind was a ball, but that's, what do you got? Well, what we use is a coin. Ah, that's a good one, except. Because yeah, yeah. I don't know, if you go right the way back to the earliest day, who is going to walk past a coin on a floor or on a table or on a, without, you know, ooh, money. Fair enough. You know, chuck a, if they know chuck, what it was, though. Chuck, chuck a, everybody knows what money is. I mean, if you, coin, I mean, you know, it's you know, different. Yeah, they Chinese had no shit. Round they coins had money all the way back in ancient China, ancient Greece, Rome. Yeah, but not the same coins. Doesn't matter. Mm, okay. 
No, I give I mean, it to you. you I think you it's would, good. I think it's you good, would, my friend. You would, for example, uh, when I say one object, it would be a coin. Now, what mm-hmm. we do is we have a bag of uh, real and fake coins from different eras and periods. So we have some Roman, some uh, medieval. Yep, well. And if we're going to a med- we would use a medieval coin. If we were going to a Ro- we would use a Roman coin. If oh, we so you do Victorian, use a s- we use specific. Yeah. Yeah. We use we use period specific. Okay. Uh, and if we don't know the period, we always just use a shiny silver coin, because yeah. right, I you know what we got the idea from watching my children because you know even when they were tiny, even when they were like a year old, mm-hmm. they would never walk past money. Mm-hmm. And if you throw a coin down on a pavement, people don't walk past money. Unless it's pennies here in the states, we walk past. Well, yeah, that's why <laughs> we that's why we use shiny silver coins because. Mm. They look like they have better. Oh, we gotta go, Steve. We gotta go. It's a great. Anyway, great the answer was I coin. Like it. Coin is Steve's answer. Anyways, well, we want to think. So. Yeah, fine, whatever. Thank you for uh, listening today. Uh, this has been Ghost Chronicles International on Tojinet and PowerX Radio. Check a Morgan dollar down. Yeah, uh, yeah, he'll never see that again. Uh, stay tuned for Ghost Chronicles Next Generations, where we look at strange deaths and thingies like that. Ugh, whatever. Yeah, man Ugh. killed bending down to pick up coin. There you go. That's the off one the that track, I was going to talk about. The railroad tracks. <laughs> Good night. God bless everyone. Good night. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.